Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Thanks so much for tuning into the show as we celebrate all things creating and share our stories. I say we're going to get together and tune our imaginations. And, you know, when I started Arts Any Radio, I wanted to promote this vibrant community and share the story of the art world. I am fascinated by the imagination and the power of engaging in our creative minds. It's a tool that is readily available to all of us at any time of any day. And it's such a great gift that we've been given. And this week, one of the things that I was thinking about was I was inspired to look up some of Stephen Pressfield's quotes from his work, The War of Art, Break Through Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. It's uh, something he's, he just does it so well. So I highly recommend that book if you're interested at all in all in the topic. And what he shares about resistance is profound, and his views have really changed the way many people think about their passions and pursuits. Here's one of my favorite quotes Most of us have two lives the life we live and the unlived life within us. Between the two stands resistance. Art and resistance go together, and our learning of how to handle resistance is what our job really is. And so I think that if you can ask yourself the question, do you recognize when you're experiencing resistance? And do you find in your work that resistance is a powerful force? Take note and try to move through that, get some help, ask some questions, find somebody who may have also been in that place. And, you know, I think these past few years, it's likely that we have been allowed to sit in that gap and think about what we're doing and where we're going. And I think that's what explains a lot of the shifts that are happening in this world. People are reimagining their lives. Some are pondering their next steps. And I found that it's hard not to let that resistance win in that time when we were so unsure of the world. And I'm trying to create more of that space for doing what I love. And I hope you are too. And that's why I'm so glad that I have this show so we can explore these topics together. And I absolutely love exploring these. I'm thrilled that after doing this show for over 15 years, I'm still learning because it's a lifelong journey. And there are so many wise artists and teachers in our community, and I cannot imagine a world without the arts. We can be guided what through whatever life has in store for us by following our imaginations. It's the search for that joyous spark that adds the zest we need in life. The pursuit of imagination is the lightness of life and the key to connection. Engaging creating is the way to explore our world, and this is the positive force we need to carry us to a better future. I hope that you're inspired by these stories, and my greatest goal is to encourage you to engage with your imagination and the arts community. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Today on Art Zany Radio, I am thrilled to be able to invite two guests from um, both of our great community art centers. Jenny Atonaway from the Northfield Arts Guild will be here, and Julie Fockler from the Paradise Center for the Arts. They're going to discuss the upcoming artist development series. And then at the very end of the show, Paul Numisto is going to pop in and talk about this weekend's Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra concerts. The concerts are called Totally Romantic, the music of Nielsen and Bruckner. Sounds like a great, great event. So let me pop on the mics and welcome my first guest to Arts Any Radio. I'm so delighted that you're here. Thank you for being here, both of you. You've both been been here before, and it's such a thrill. This is a brand new series, but before we get that, I might want to have you spend just a minute introducing yourselves so people know a little bit about you as both artists and then also those that work within the arts community at uh, nonprofit organizations. Who wants to jump in first? 
Um, go ahead, go ahead, I'll Jenny. Go. Jenny's going to go first then. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so I'm Jenny Altanui, and um, I am an artist myself. I write poetry. I um, have been mostly painting in gouache for the last, I don't know, five years or so, um, which I love, which I promote often. Um, and I been working at the Northville Arts Guild for about two and a half years. So I started right as the pandemic was, well, two months before the pandemic began, um, which kind of leads into why I got involved in this artist development series, which I can talk about later. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Minnesota, left, left here when I was 18, lived in California for 25 years, and then moved back. So I'm kind of uh, a re-transplant, I suppose you could say. Maybe Minnesota never left you and you were called uh, back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a lot of different reasons why I came back. But um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's it's been a good foundational place. And um, Northfield was always kind of like, I grew up in Farmington, so Northfield was always like this like cool, college-y, like they had coffee shops and a music <laughs> store and an art store. And so it was like the cool place to go. Well, I'm so, glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's del delightful to have you here again. Yeah. And uh, Julie, jump in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. Hi, I'm Julie Fockler. I'm the Visual Arts and Education Director at the Paradise Center for the Arts in downtown Faribault. Um, I've been there 11 years. I can't believe it. Wow. Um, I started as a volunteer and then box office and added education and just kept adding things. Um, love the Paradise. Love Faribault, Northfield. And I'm a visual artist. I paint and um, draw on clay, and it's always animals, um, ma mainly pet portraits. People may recognize your style, and yeah. it's certainly worth looking up um, the, those images. And so it's wonderful that both of you have the perspective of having, you know, the work in, in that world and also being artists yourselves because you can bring a lot to the table. So I'm kind of curious um, about the um well actually first i want to start with i mentioned the quote from um stephen pressfield and it was your email jenny that inspired me to take a look at it a little further it's a book that i read a while ago but i was really just drawn back into those questions that he asked and the quote that you have from him in your email is creative work is a gift to the world and every being in it don't cheat us of your contribution give us what you've got and i thought oh that's another great quote. I mean, he just has, he's full of them. And so I think that, that, you know, kind of says something about this, this series too, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really, I do think that, um, that we have unlim unlimited possibilities mm -hmm. um, to bring who we are and what we know and what we've experienced creatively into the world. And so um, knowing that, like, that's something I strive for myself, but then also, I know that I have a lot to learn always, and there's a lot of other people that are striving in their ways, and they know a bunch of stuff, and um, I guess the driving force behind trying to create this artist development series was like, we should get together and talk about the things that we know how to do and help other people who maybe don't know how to do this particular thing or have this skill developed or um, whatever it might be so that we can just better each other and you know help each other along the way so and that's something i found in this community is that there are a lot of people who have you know uh wisdoms and their willingness to share and so it's it's the perfect thing for and i think as you mentioned for anyone who's at any stage of their artistic career you can always learn something more how did the partnership form julie um jenny reached out to me and said she would like to do this and i said oh yes this is a must mm-hmm um as most of you know, artists create, but that's not all we do. We have to promote, promote, promote. And how do you do that effectively? And there's so many other things like writing grants. Um, our last one was about getting your work out there. I mean, that's a big feat in itself. I mean, how do you get in those galleries? How do you get in the art fairs? Um, and eventually, maybe, hopefully, museums. I mean, and where do you start in your beginning of your career, mid-career, later in your career? And I think we did our first one in September, and it was uh, very intimate, and everybody walked away with something really good. 
That's important. Yeah, and that and so it's it is a series that's set up. I love the way that it's set up. It's kind of a a more um casual, you know, interactive session. And the first one, as you mentioned, um was in September. This one is session two, promoting and marketing your artwork, November tenth, which is next week at six PM at the Lanesboro Arts, which uh, I Wish I have been. I have not been there, but I've oh, heard, you must go. I have heard so much about it. Everybody talks about. It. So I've got a field trip in my future, and this um, is happening. It's at the Saint Main Theater. Um, you can get all the details at either the Paradise Center for the Arts website, um, paradisecenterforthearts.org, or northfieldartsguild.org. Both have links to all the information. Do people need to register in advance? Um, they can, but they don't have to. Um, we're working with Cara um, at Lanesboro Arts, and we'll have plenty of room. And if you want a carpool, let us know. Um, That's it, true. It is, it's a little bit of a drive, but it's um, going to be well worth it. It's about an hour, is it? Two, oh, closer yeah, to two. It's like is hour, it? 41 minutes. Maybe yeah. that's why it's just outside the, you have to <laughs> intention, have intention. This will be a good reason to go down there. Yeah. And each each of these sessions, so there will be a total of four in in the whole series, mm-hmm. has guest artists who mm-hmm. are on the panel. Tell us um, how, how you've arranged for this one on marketing and promotion. Um, well, I think the concept is something that had happened before, having panelists. This is before my time. So this is one reason I reached out to Julie is I was like, I don't know. I want I want to do this thing. I don't know how to do it. Um, and so, yeah, so I guess for... For me, what I what I was thinking about with this particular workshop are, okay, who are some artists that I know who seem to really, like, be there, be out there? Like, people know their name. People are, you know, they're seeing their work all over the place. Or, um, or like, in the case of Cedric Brian, who I invited, like, I see him self-promoting like crazy. Like, he's mm-hmm. really, really good at it. And so I, I reached out to him, just he was a friend on Facebook, and I was like, hey, I always see you promoting your group. They, uh, he's Green, Greenvale Manitou is his musical group. And um, I was like, would you want to be a panelist on this? Because I just see that he, he, knows, he knows what he's doing. And talking to him more, I realized, yeah, he has a lot uh, figured out in a lot of different aspects, like especially the use of social media and um, that kind of thing. So... Well, now, I have to ask, because Greenvale and Manitou are streets here in Northfield. Uh-huh. Does he have a connection? He lives very close uh, there. That's... I don't, I'm not going to give away his address. No, but no, but that's, <laughs> that's okay, that's a that's cool time. Yeah. It's It has the, it, it works, right? Yeah. I, I guess I'd never made the connection. Yeah. But when you say it, it just clicked with me, like, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Manitou is like a spiritual... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to go there. I can't remember. But um, the quote that on their website, they are on their information says like, "For in the green veil dwells the Manitou." So, Ooh. yeah, it's pretty cool. It is, and so that's a, a wonderful. Uh, you represent all different kinds of arts in, on these panels, and yeah. so uh, it's it's really hard to promote yourself, and so to have people who've done it and are confident and good at it. Is important. Also, tell us about some of the other panelists for this session. Well, a lot of you probably know uh, Glennis, Glennis Lessing, um, amazing pottery artist um, with a Northfield address. Um, you can find her stuff at the Guild. Um, she's just amazing, um, good, really good at self-promotion on social media. Um, and you can find her on the Art Tour, the Cannon River Clay Tour, and um, other places, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I reached out to Lanesboro to find a Lanesboro artist. We have Michael Seeler. Um, he actually has iPrize Marketing. He's a master goldsmith and art fair veteran of, of over 20 years. Uh, Michael turned his creative endeavors towards founding iPrize Marketing in 2019. So this guy is not only a, a phenomenal um, jewelry artist, but has his own marketing firm. So I'm really excited to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he'll have some great lessons too. And then our last artist for, there's four on the panel. Yeah. And then, so Jerry Thielen or Jerilyn Thielen, she's the, the fourth artist. And again, she's been ever since I came to Northfield, like I see her stuff all over the place and she's at, she has booths at various events and people come in when I'm working in the shop at the guild, people come in all the time and like, 
many of them already know of her stuff when they come in. So they come in already prepared to buy one of her pieces. And so I just um, really had the impression from her that, yeah, she's another person that knows how to do this. And I believe she does it full time. I think that's what she does. So mm-hmm. um, so if you're going to survive, which is our fourth, is it the fourth uh the one in uh, Red Wing on February okay. 16th is Making a Living as an Artist. Yeah. I think that's the one I'm most excited about because that is my long-term goal mm-hmm. um, yeah. to make a living as an artist, which a lot of days seems overwhelming. Yeah, there's Those are some big transitions that need to happen. And, it, and there's no clear, you know, you can't go through to a checklist and say, okay, if I do this and this and this, I'll get that. Right. And so it's, it's a meandering road and mm-hmm. it's different for everybody. But that's the great thing. All these people have experience and stories to tell. And so tell us how the, the panel operates or how you um, host these evenings. Again, this is the Artist Development Series. What happens if, if people are interested in going? How does it work? Um, so, yeah, so the, the first thing, I don't know if it was mentioned, is these are free. That was, so yes, audience good can thing. just show up. I mean, registration helps, I guess, like for Cara, she was saying registration would be great. It's just, it's good to know if people are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in general, you can just show up. It's free. Um, so at the beginning of the panel, um, or the beginning of the discussion, panelists will kind of introduce themselves, tell a little bit about their art form, um, and whatever, you know, they want to say about themselves in five minutes or so. Uh, and then we have, um, Julie has created a series of questions that we can kind of ask for the first one. It, it, we started with the questions and then things just sort of started to flow on their own. Um, I think questions that we came up with and then the audience had their own and then it kind of just continued from there with a lot of audience questions. It was pretty organic. It had a nice flow um, and everybody seemed to enjoy themselves. And yeah. It's excellent and it's so good to get together with other people who are kind of in some either somewhere on that place of, of doing that. There'll be some that have more experience or have different experiences and you can bring those ideas together why is it so hard for um artists to think about marketing and promotion what is your experience you've been on both sides of of the the you know coin so to speak on on this particular topic well i think personally it's it's hard to know what's working sometimes and what's not working um i mean you could put a lot of stuff out on social media and you can kind of gauge it but is that translating to sales or if you're doing a Art fair, um, do you need to send out your own marketing, like old school, like mailing, or do you just rely on the art fair? I mean, I know you should do kind of both, but... And and the landscape is changing, too, yes, right? Yes. Because... How do you reach people? Because the newspaper, not everybody has the newspaper, not everybody listens to the radio, not everybody's on social media. So how many different platforms do you really need to do? And the time can be overwhelming, too, I think, investing all the time and energy in marketing your work mm-hmm. right. and yourself. Because it, it takes away from what you probably are really good at if you're at that point of marketing is, you know, putting, getting product ready. Mm-hmm. And then, you, you know, you, it, as you're doing that, you've got to learn to incorporate now that process. So what have been some of the ways that, that have, you've learned from other artists that have been successful from your own experience? Mm. Um, I think taking the risk of mm. just doing it sometimes. I think that for me has probably been the biggest initial challenge anyway. Um, you know, I think we were talking about this a little bit earlier, like for myself personally, like I, I can do a lot with the creative at home doing my art, uh, you know, producing stuff. <laughs> Um, but then it, it's been just that piece of like, okay, so for one, is this valuable in air quotes enough to put out into the world and just taking that initial step of like, yeah, well, I'm going to put it out you know, and just kind of be like, I don't know, I, I want to say almost like getting an attitude about it and just like believing that, um, that you have something to share and something to offer. And I think that's been a, that's been something that watching other people around me, um, other artists, like just doing that has been inspirational because it's been like, well, if they can do it. I can do it, you know, 
kind of that. So. Yeah, there's and there are different stages of your career, right? Where sometimes it's that you're first putting your work out there, and then there's also you know you so you've kind of built this group of people who enjoy your work, and now how do you expand that if if that's your goal too? What have you found, Julian, working with artists at the Paradise or uh, through your experiences? Um, some people are better at promoting than others. And sometimes it's hard for people if you're a private person or if you're new to the art world. Um, it can be intimidating. Um, yeah, it's such a variety. And some people are so good at it and other people just need some help. Um, and I know some people just need, need to find the information. And I think that's what we're trying to do. Um, this kind of a different topic and well be part of one of the artist development um, workshops so I remember Judy Say Willis and Tom Willis going Julie you can write a grant and I'm like what no I can't I've never written a grant and they're like we'll help you so I think that's kind of what this series is about is just trying to help other artists because you don't until you do it it can be very intimidating right and some of it is just trying to figure out what uh what you know what's next or what is an option or what has other people tried because I don't want to put effort into something that isn't going to you know produce results or have mm -hmm. have uh, value and so and sometimes too it depends on what your goals are you know you have mm -hmm. different goals and but just trying to think through that process it's so helpful to have other people who are the people you think would most benefit from coming to part of this series this this particular one the artist development series promoting and marketing your artwork which is november 10th at the lanesbury arts st main theater i think any artist in any uh, level of their career could gain something um, I know when we did our first one, I was surprised some of the audience was um, more advanced artists, and then we had beginners, too. Um, so I was really shocked, and everybody came away with something. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think, um, you know, one of, the, one of the parts of this series that is interesting to me is just the basic networking that can happen between artists. So, mm -hmm. you know... Um, you're sharing the audience together, but you're also like what happened in the September 1st one is people started then sharing information with each other in the audience. So you're not, it's not just like you're, it's not like a, you know, I want to say like top down schooling where, you know, there's panelists up there telling you this is how you do it. And if you follow these directions, it's everything, you know, it's more um, like these are some ways that we've done it. This worked really well. This didn't work so well. Maybe try it anyway. Try what you want. Um, but then as creatives, we're always going to riff off each other anyway. So, you know, you might take a concept that somebody came up with and be like, yeah, that would be really good, but that's not really authentic to my personality. So I'm going to like twist it in this way and then I can bring it out, you know, and it'll be my unique brand or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. So. Yeah. Sometimes just having that, that bounce back is mm -hmm. essential. And I think that, um, it's, it's so fun to, in in that world, especially marketing and promotion, brainstorming is such a, a great uh, tool to use. And it's really hard to do if you're sitting at a, at a desk all by yourself yeah. <laughs> because you don't have the experiences that everybody else has or the ideas that, you know, you can um, sometimes it's hard to see yourself and where your work it would benefit from being promoted mm -hmm. and so it's it's really exciting what you're doing i think um people should really be interested in this and i think um what do you think through this series your goals are in um helping the artist community hmm. well well selfishly i want to take all of these workshops <laughs> myself and some, sometimes what you wonder is it's, what everybody else is wondering. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's kind of a big part of it. As I started trying to educate myself, I was taking some of the, like, Springboard Center for the Arts or Springboard for the Arts, um, some of their um, work of art development stuff online um, through the pandemic and beyond that. And it just sort of inspired me to, like, oh, you know, I think I just think we can really learn so much from each other. Mm -hmm. And um I'm, I think I may have lost your question. <laughs> but the goals of the, the series and, you know, what yeah. are you hoping to do by bringing these panels together and, the, and having an audience that participates? 
I and I think that's why we picked these topics is because we thought these would be um, for any artist, not just visual artists. So this could be for performing artists. Um, we had a playwright in our first uh, group. Um, you know, it could be for musicians, literary, anybody. Filmmakers. Yeah, filmmakers. Um, so not just visual artists. Um, the goal is just try to help other artists advance their careers, mm-hmm. no matter where they are in their career. I think mm-hmm. that's so great. And I think that what I've found in this community, in, and I'll just call it the Southern Minnesota arts community, is that everybody is so generous and people are willing to share their talent and advice. And I was thinking the other day, like, I wonder what it is that makes that possible. Because that you can see how in other places that maybe isn't, it feels, but, but you know, my insights might not be other people's experiences, but at least from what I've encountered, um, people want to to help because it, it helps the whole community if mm-hmm. everybody is doing their best and you know uh, being able to um, bring forth their best. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it that in your mind creates that culture and how do we nurture that? Mm-hmm. Well, I I was just thinking that you know like even through the pandemic, art was still selling like people were like people were still seeking out art Mm -hmm. even though there were all these financial worries and there's all this you know health stuff and and I think that that support for the arts comes from a place of like we all know intrinsically that it is kind of like a fundamental part of our humanity right to be expressing and to have these things because it 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 is it's who we are like we've We've been making art since as far back as we can measure, you know. And so I think for people to continue to support that, it's it it just I don't know. It somehow it just makes sense because it's it's um, it's continuing something that has to stay alive, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And um, excuse me, um, we are doing this um, series as we've talked about is throughout southeastern Minnesota. So um, actually, this the Southeastern Minnesota Arts Council is sponsoring um, the series. And so Jenny and I were like, we need to get just out of Northfield and Faribault. Let's go to Lanesboro. Let's go to Red Wing um, and kind of spread the word and carpool and take people with us. And I think you have to help each other because then that's going to create a nicer atmosphere for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when people come to Faribault and Northfield, they're like, oh my gosh, you people are so friendly and it's so wonderful. But um, I love to promote the arts and I want everybody to succeed. Um, and I can't imagine not helping other artists. I think that's an important aspect of it. Do you think that from the pandemic and all that we weathered through that, um, that, that this has been helpful to artists? What is, have we been able to take lessons from those years that you see people maybe committing more to what they're doing or, or did it foster experimentation? Kind of, I'm kind of curious about that. I mean, it could have gone different ways for different people, but I think that there was a growth in self-reliance and focus on self-reliance. And so um, that includes like just developing your creative side or developing whatever needed wants to be expressed, you know? Um, Yeah. And I I think, you know, with having like, like Julie mentioned, having these different sites, like we're also like the pandemic kind of closed us down into our Mm -hmm. little bubbles, our little communities um, and our little individual households and, you know, in a lot of regard, but like expanding out and like, uh, growing that to like, oh, well, Northfield, Faribault, Red Wing, Lanesboro, we all are connected in the same region. We have, that's not that far away from each other. We can network with each other. Like some artists in one of those places might all of a sudden attend a workshop in a different town and meet you know connect with somebody that has exactly what they need to like to further you know advance what they're working on mm-hmm. um, so people are ready for those connections i think so yes yes networking I so. is i think very important especially in southeast minnesota 
And I just lost what I was going to say. Sorry. We're talking about just how we, what are the lessons oh, we learned from my, the my number one lesson I learned from the pandemic is to be more flexible. Mm. Um, before the pandemic, if something didn't go right, I would get really, really irritated and upset. I mean, not horribly, but um, <laughs> now it's like, oh, well, um, let's move on and let's figure it out. Right. I mean, what can you do? Just you have to move on and be flexible. And maybe it's taught us to be more creative. Mm-hmm. I would think, yeah, it has because we've had uh, that ability to know that the things we might love might get taken away, right? They yeah. they have maybe there's more value or, or we want to put more effort to making those things and to also like, Oh, this is what it is. And here we go. <laughs> well, and just, I think like Jenny said, it's, Oh my gosh, we can get together in the same room and <laughs> talk to each other and not virtually, you know, that's, that to me is huge. I mean, and right. And being an audience member with other people has been something I've been doing obviously in the last I don't know. It's hard to remember when we all came back out, but it, it is very good to be in the theater. I was at the Paradise Center for the Arts just uh, last weekend for the play. And uh, just being in that space where other people are creating is so inspiring in in and of itself. And so I'm, I'm very excited for this series, folks. We've been talking about the Artist Development Series, and it is... Uh, partnership with the Northfield Arts Guild and the Paradise Center for the Arts. You can get all the details at the northfieldartsguild.org and I've got um and or the Paradise Center for the Arts.org. I've got links on the posting in our kymnradio.net uh, posting for this show, Session 2, Promoting and Marketing Your Artwork, November 10th, 6 p.m. at Lanesboro Arts at the St. Main Theater. And uh, amazing, there's no ticket. It's absolutely a, a free session. Folks can come and learn, be open to, to you know sharing and hearing and learning. What a great opportunity. I think that uh, both those organizations have so much. Um, they've always been so connected with the communities and, and working to help artists. It's, it, this is another addition. Hopefully it'll be something that continues for, you know, beyond the first force in this series. Oh, yes. There's tons of topics we could cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so and, and to be able to expand that to all of the southeastern Minnesota is, is fantastic. I also want to ask, because both of you represent the Paradise and the Northfield Arts Guild. I, I saw that, Julie, you have a, a class coming up I wanted to mention so that people can uh, maybe maybe get registered for that. Tell us a little bit about what you've got um, coming up or paint anything a else. a Porch of Your Pet 2.0, November 8th and 9th. That's a four-hour class, two hours on the 8th, two hours on the 9th. And I will walk you through how I paint pet portraits. And that is at the Paradise. That's at the Paradise, yes. And I just taught one at Northfield Arts Guild... Oh my gosh! In October. Yep. Yeah, and and I'm amazed that um, you can. I've seen some of the results from the class, and it's kind of fun what it's, people it's fun. Yeah. are able to to do, and uh, you know, to be able to take something that you love and get it reflected back to you, and the way that you teach, I've heard such great things. So. Oh, thank you. And I uh, actually taught one at Fifty North um, a little bit ago, and that was a lot of fun. So uh, look out for that. You can sign up at the Paradise website. Mm -hmm. And anything else going on at the Paradise you want to promote? Um, Right now we have uh, woodcarvers in the Carlander Gallery. We have Ivan Willock, Chris Willock, and Marv Kaiserstadt. You probably saw the exhibit. Mm -hmm. Those three gentlemen all live downtown Faribault, and they're all um, nationally renowned uh, woodcarvers. And it's a show I wanted to have at the Paradise for, well, since I've started. So that phenomenal. that's phenomenal. Uh, Shelly Caldwell has a installation um, with spider plants and her 2D work that's, again, phenomenal. And we have Autumn Caroline's uh, photography from around the world in the Vranish Boardroom Gallery. And we have Bethlehem Academy in our student gallery. There's always something happening yes. in the arts. Yes. So yes. It's a, and it's such a beautiful place to go and, and visit. Yes, and check it out. We've got Elvis, our, I call him our Elvis, jo- Joseph Hall, coming uh, Saturday, which that show's almost sold out. And then we'll go to, we've got C. Willie Miles coming. Uh, Merlin Players is going to do their last performance, um, The Christmas Carol, the beginning of December. 
Fabulous. Mm -hmm. And how about at the Arts Guild? What can people look forward to? Well, the Fine Craft Collective is currently setting up shop in our main gallery space. It's the holiday season. <laughs> yes. So that's really exciting. That, I believe, is opening next week. Um, but I'm not the gallery person, so I'm not totally positive on that. Um, our theater season is off to a great start. We had a bunch of shows the last couple weekends. And, um, yeah, we're moving into just, you know, that uh various classes still happening this fall we'll be getting a lot of um, winter spring classes up um, in january but um still have we have a rose mulling class we've got adult tap going on we've got uh some drawing classes i'm finishing up teaching a gouache painting class um so again, yeah. something's happening, and you both got great websites where people can Absolutely. check out what's happening, and uh, especially to learn more about this this session, the Artist Development Series. Thank you so much for coming oh, in today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I appreciate uh, Julie Faulkner and Jenny Atonaway from both the Paradise Center for the Arts and the Northfield Arts Guild for coming in and sharing this. I think it's going to be fabulous so people should definitely visit this session and the next two coming up in let's see we have one in february and one in may so i'll be sure and talk about those too thank you folks we are going to switch gears and talk about the uh cannon valley regional orchestra their concert this weekend is the um totally romantic the music of nielsen and bruckner i'm going to play a selection from bruckner right now and that is the um symphony number no. seven with gunter wand and this is the NDR, boy, I'm not going to get this right, Elb Philharmonie Orchestra. I'm sure I have goofed that up. But here we go. We're going to listen to a little music while we switch out the studio. Bruckner going as we learn a little bit more about this. Let's see how we can do this. I'll see if we can get it down a little bit where you can still hear it, but it's, it's going. It's such beautiful music. And sitting in the studio now is Paul Nemisto, the conductor of the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra, who's been my guest many times. This is Good to the, be here. the totally romantic, the music of Nielsen and Bruckner. This is Bruckner, and I listened to this piece and... Oh, it just grabs it's, you. It's it's delicious, you know. Yeah, that's a good uh, way. This is the second movement, uh, which is the one that Bruckner dedicated to his uh, hero, uh, Richard Wagner. And there's a lot of quotations in this music from at least Wagner mannerisms. And he also includes a quartet of Wagner tubas, which is a very special instrument. They're pretty rare. And we've managed to find four in the upper Midwest who are willing to come to Northfield and play with us. Yeah, I did um, take a look at that. I found a spot of music, if we want to put it on later, where they're featured. Sure, as we, you wish. Um, the, uh, the the whole thing is happening uh, tomorrow. That's uh, Saturday the 5th, is that right? 
It is right. Yeah, fifth at three o'clock. It's they're getting at, at St. John's. Of course, we uh, would never do this during a concert. We would never talk over the no, music. No, no. But we want to keep the atmosphere going here. <laughs> uh, and then um, there's a second performance at the Cathedral of, of Our Merciful Savior in uh, Faribault on Sunday at three o'clock, and uh, you can you can gain admission by arrival there. We're we're suggesting a fifteen dollar fee, but no one will be turned away. <laughs> That's right. You can and, get tickets in advance, but also at the door. Yeah. Anyway, this uh, this symphony and the and the uh, Nielsen Helios Overture both are such full of full of such um, beautiful melodies or fr- melodic fragments that uh, everybody in the orchestra has been having their head full of these little earworms for the last four weeks. Just having them having them. Uh, over, you know, this is occurred in the course of the day all the time. You're singing these melodies that we played. You know, it's it's really c- contagious. Mm-hmm. And that's exact when you mentioned. Uh, I'm not going to say this word right. Um, L e i t. Light motif. Light motif. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, oh yeah, I, I am. This that's a kind of a uh, kind of. Some would say it's an invention of Wagner, but actually, Beethoven was using it already earlier. They're just small fragments that he works over different ways all throughout the piece. Yeah, and it really is like a, a captivating, it's a immersive experience. Enticing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And it's got, um, which is interesting, because if you had asked me to describe, you know, Bruckner, I, I don't know that I would have known that music. Well, it's not, he's not but well it known. feels familiar. Yes. Yeah, so how a, does he do that? Well, there's a sense, <laughs> he knows the mannerisms, he's a he knows Brahms, uh, not necessarily, they weren't necessarily good friends, but he knows who he is, and they, they were aware of each other's work, and he's insp- inspired by the same people that Wagner was, that is to say, uh, Beethoven and Mozart, and so there's a lot of the same language being used, but he is um, exhaustive in how he wears these these uh, light motifs, shall we say, uh, wears them down into all kinds of little fragments. He re- turns them upside down. He t- plays them backwards. He does all kinds of tricks to find ways to uh, ab- to absorb some more meaning from those little motifs. Yeah, it's really interesting yeah. how he does that, and uh, it makes it for a great experience. Yeah. And it's it's uh, quite an undertaking for this CVRO to take it on is, this challenge. It is. Um, it's a, both an endurance. Uh, issue because it's one of the longest pieces in the uh, in the repertoire, and uh, then also the fact that it's in the key of E major. And uh, I don't know anyone listening who is um, knowledgeable about music would have to be become uh, amazed at the fact that there are many bars that go by in which every single note has an accidental figure before it. So in, there's a, the whole bar. There could be 10, 15 notes, and every one of them has got an accidental effort. Now, that's interesting, because uh, that doesn't happen often. No. And, <laughs> and it's very difficult. Yeah. And what it does is it just says something about the fact that you, you can hear it sounds very tonal. Exactly. But at the same time, it is constantly tonally meandering. It's a, it approaches E major. No, oh, no, we'll go somewhere else. And then we'll go somewhere else. And you never quite settle down. So that's how he's a part of what he's doing with this. And it's, uh, like you mentioned, a longer piece. So you're going to do it with, there's an intermission. Yeah, we decided to do two movements and then take a break. Mostly, well, I suppose for the audience, because they didn't have to give their ears a rest, but also the orchestra needs. There's a very heavy brass parts. They're, they're very intense. Oh, I think this might... Is this the part? No, this is a, a little bit earlier than the spot that I found to talk about those uh, special instruments. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get, let's get on to that if you want to. Uh, sure. I do want to ask, what, tell us about the era that this was written. Because, uh, you know, I was imagining it feels like we need to, you know, be in a, in a ballroom or we're, yeah. we're, there's movement to what, what... Oh, that's true. There's an element of dance mm-hmm. to this. And it's also... You can remember he's Austrian. So there's always he's always aware also of the horns in the Alps and these kind of <laughs> things, which also inspired, of course, uh, Richard Strauss in his day. But um, yeah, that's it was um, the mid late 1800s, and uh, at this time Wagner was already um, in his deathbed. This is why why this moment was written, and 
and it, there are people like Mahler who were also influenced by this music, who uh, were just coming along, coming along. And I'm not—I haven't read the biography very well, so I don't know whether they ever met. And I don't also know whether Nielsen or and Bruckner met. They could have, because there's also a cross influence there. Mm, that's the so, other piece you're playing. Yes, it's a, about a sunrise. Oh, this this again is the um, Bruckner's. Let's see which symphony number seven. Yeah. And this is conducted by. Uh, let's see. He was 87 years old at the time. Uh, Gunter Wand. Yeah, that's one of the. This is one of the great interpretations that's on. That's recorded. And it's, uh, yeah, I'm sure that he didn't, he didn't live much past that, but it was very well thought out. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. So if you have a chance, folks, I encourage you to go and look that up. I was thinking for you as a conductor, when you watch something like this, are you um, looking at what the conductor's doing and thinking about how he's in, in you know, inviting the, the, the musicians to uh, take part? Yeah, well, I, I was interested in, I heard several interpretations and to see there's a wide range of tempos. I mean, there's a couple, there's one or two that go an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and 25 minutes, where they just do an incredible amount of, of, of stretching things out and elongating. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, you watch, I'm interested in how he reads the score and what he's, what he's taking from it mm-hmm. and see how, whether it, Illuminates me and somehow is how I want to do it. That is always something I hadn't I hadn't thought about with with an orchestra is that who's on the uh, podium in front of the orchestra makes can make a difference in how you experience it. Oh yes, even if it's the same notes on the printed page. Yes, and yes. so I think that's that's an aspect people don't often think about. Well, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, although there there's a kind of a hero. Uh, uh, aspect that the public has put onto um, major conductors, considering them sort of like um, titans, titans, uh, superhuman. <laughs> That's but, true. None of that is, of course, true. But they're just human like anybody else. But they do their homework. Maybe that's what it is, right? Yeah. They're good students. Yes. <laughs> and another question I had, which is just a very random, odd question, I'll ask it. Uh, I, I happened to find a, a piece of my son's uh, choir homework or paper and it was talking about the way that the choir breathes and each of the sections and the the people uh planning their breathing in their singing and i thought well i wonder if an orchestra does that as well even though you may have a string instrument and you're not you know like a flute or a clarinet or a, a brass instrument needing to to use breath to produce the music but as a whole is there ways that you want the orchestra to breathe well there's each each section has a little different approach to this one of them is that uh, the strings as you say don't need breathing primarily as a as a way to make make their sound however because the music is human and there are phrases there's a sense in a phrase could be uh, could be somehow similar to a sentence mm. or to a stanza so how do you breathe when you speak how do you breathe when you read poetry i it's a good idea for the uh, for the uh string players to imitate that idea even if they're not necessarily doing it for the brass and winds it's absolutely necessary because mm-hmm. of that's how they make their sound you can turn this up and let it oh. let it go now this is great okay we'll take a listen to bruckner's symphony number no. seven This is I just wanted to get that second melody. That it was here. really great. I'm going to pop ahead to the part where they have the uh, special tubas. The Wagner. Wagner tubas, yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead. I'm going to scroll. Hopefully, I can catch it right at the right spot. 
Um, this is a second or two before it happens, so you can tell us what's a, a Wagner tuba. Here we go. Let's listen first. There they are. They were invented by Wagner with the idea of having an ensemble that bridged the sound between trombones and horns, something in between. They look like a euphonium, sort of, but they're just narrower bore, and they actually use French horn mouthpieces. It looks that way, yeah. So how did you find these players? Through the Vintage Band Festival. <laughs> they came to do a presentation at one of the lectures, and I met John Cohen, and we uh, topped it up, and it inspired me to think about the symphony. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. And that's just one of the songs that you're going to be playing for um, this particular concert. So, folks, totally romantic. The music of Nielsen and Bruckner is the CVRO concert this weekend, November 5th, 3 o'clock at St. John's Lutheran Church here in Northfield, and November 6th, also at 3 o'clock at the Cathedral of Our Merciful Savior in Faribault. And tickets are online, but go to the door yeah. and get them. Im Deutsche Sprecher es ist Bruckner. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I guess I had the American version. It's all right. <laughs> it is uh, just really glorious music, and it's a. I find that that time at the orchestra just great time to recharge and sort of get lost a little. Right, and yeah. we may even have sunshine on at least one of those days. Uh, if, if there is on Saturday, then. The sun will be shining during the concert, which will be very nice over at St. John's. Beautiful, both beautiful spaces. Yes. So the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra, you can get details at the website for the Northfield Arts Guild. And thank you so much for coming in and bringing this music to us. I hate to even turn it off because you know, there's still a little bit, uh, about 20 minutes left in the song. <laughs> Boy, well, yeah. I, I mean, there's a tw first of all, the first, the second movement is about 20 minutes long. Exactly. So, yeah. And so there's a lot happening, and it's just a, a great way to spend a, a weekend afternoon. Thank you, Paul Nemisto from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra. You've been listening to Art Zany Radio for the Imagination. I thank you so much for tuning into the show that celebrates all things imagination. I hope that you... Of course, in the meantime, until next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877.